Okay, good afternoon. Welcome back to Pasha Perspectives for today. First of all, thank you all for your flexibility. Baruch Hashem was traveling for a simcha, for simchas, so I'm grateful that we're able to learn together this afternoon. I want to thank, as always, our generous sponsors of the series for the year, Becky and Avi Katz and family, in memory of David Grossman, Lili Nishmas, David Ben Menachem Manash. We also have the privilege this afternoon of David Grossman, the Colonel of Racha's son, Rabbi Seth Grossman, my dear friend, who's here live in person, able to come this afternoon. Always great to see you and uh, welcome and uh, honor that you are here for this year. Today's year is also sponsored by Aaron and Aviva Pressman in honor of the wedding of his daughter, Rachela Talevi Portnoy, Bezra Hashem tonight in Psaic, New Jersey. Mazel Tov, Shavalat Asimcha, and Bracha, and Beisrael. Also, today is the yurt site of the mother of all yeshivas, Jenny Miller Fagan, Pesabas Rabbi Yisrael. If you read the incredible article in Mishbacha magazine, I think it was last year, Pesach that uh, Davi Safir uncovered about this incredible philanthropist, this woman, the mother of all yeshiva. So Yeritzite, 55th Yeritzite is today, and our learning should be Nishmasa as well. So after a break, a well-deserved and earned break, I might add, it's good to be back, I mean, for you, for you, not for me, I was ready to go, but for you, it's great to be back and to learn Parshas Kisavo together. The Yeritz Kostan Chumash, page 1068, but these parshios are packed. There's so much to get into, so many lessons to extract and draw, so many perspectives for today. We'll see as far as we can get. But the parsha begins, Ki savo el haaretz, when you enter the land that Hashem has given you to inherit and to settle. We have the mitzvah of Bikurim. When you settle the land, work the land. There is no Publix. There is no Windixi. There is no kosher market. There is no aroma. There is no Amazon to order and deliver to your doorstep. You'd have to farm an agricultural society. When you come and you settle and you conquer the land, you set up an agricultural society. And the mitzvah that we're given upon entering the land is the mitzvah of Bikurim. That first fruit after investing and toiling and working, after watering and nourishing and harvesting that first fruit, tie a ribbon around it, you identify it, you set it aside, it's brought to Yushalayim with incredible pomp and circumstance, and there's a party, there's an offering to Hashem, that Bikurim, that first fruit is given to Him. Where? Torah never tells us. It's kind of curious, we've discussed this in the past, Torah only identifies, Throughout the Torah, it's an enigma. It's a mystery. This holy, sacred place, this capital of spirituality, the place of divine dwelling, is a mystery. It's an enigma. It's never given to us the coordinates, the address, exactly where to go. We're meant to be mevakshim. You have to search and you have to yearn and you have to follow your spiritual antenna and intuition and you have to go search and you have to go find. It's only identified as elamakom, the place that God has chosen. Where? It's up to you. Go figure out. Go begin that process, go uncover. And what do you bring? You bring there the Bikurim, that first fruit, you bring it to the coin of the time, and you say, I know I'm reading quickly, I'm always admonished, slow down, but we've got a lot to say. So if you're here in person, you don't have the luxury. If you're listening later, you can make it half speed, quarter speed, listen whatever speed you want. If you're in person, you can't slow me down, sorry. So bring it to the coin in that time and tell him, I've come to the land that God promised. The coin receives this basket, this first fruit, and he puts it before them. And now there's a mikra bikurim. 
Now there's a ritual, a recitation. Now there's something that's said. What is it? Now we review Jewish history. Arami, Oviravi, we're all familiar with this passage, not only from our Parsha Kisava, where do you know it and where do you recite it? Of course, at the Seder, the Haggadah. And there, everyone comes with their fancy gematries and divrei Torah and Vartlach and Haggadahs. So we know it well. Arami, Ovidavi. My forefather was an, Ara- was an Aramean who wanted to destroy my forefather. I went down to Mitzrayim and I lived there. It's there that we proliferated, promulgated there. We became a great nation. The Mitzrayim wanted, they treated us very poorly, poorly, very harshly. They wanted to eliminate, they wanted to exterminate us. They gave us great work. But we cried out to God and Hashem heard our cries and He took us out with an outstretched hand and He brought us to this place and He's promised us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now, and now we finally get to the punchline. First, I have to give all of history. Why? It's a process, a ritual. The farmer, not only when they first entered the land, but a halacha that continued to apply. The farmer brings their first fruit the Bikurim, the Rashis, the very beginning. And they do it again, pomp and circumstance and a whole ceremony. And the ceremony, you got to review all of history. First, I was born. First, God created the world in six days. And then, eventually, he got to me. And that, just say thank you for the little fruit. Shine. Ganuk, I got to go home. There's a farm to tend to. There's a lot more to get done. Why do you have to review all of history? We'll talk about it in Mirza Shem this Shabbos. But finally, we get to the punchline. What's the punchline? Reishis priya damash and asatali. I'm giving you the first fruit that Hashem gave me. Why? What's going on over here? Be happy with all the good that God gave you. You, your house, the levi, the ger, asher bekirbecha. Shine. So I want to share with you this morning, this afternoon, several divrei Torah from wonderful set of svarim that I've been drawing from over the last several months but particularly poignant because the author, the one who was set over these sichos, these shiurim, passed away recently, a very, very special, very holy Jew who lived in Borough Park, the Rach Meshtrifka Rebbe, who was originally from Yerushalayim, who grew up in Yerushalayim and came to lead the branch of that Hasidus here in New York. He was a son-in-law of the previous Skver Rebbe, brother-in-law of the Skver Rebbe, brother-in-law of the Vizhnitzer Rebbe, and a very holy tzaddik, very understated, very modest, a very simple court that comes from Chernobyl. And the set is found called Amaros Tahoros. And in it he collects magnificent Hasidish Divrei Torah and his own original ideas. So I want to, in his memory, share with you some of the beautiful Torahs from Amaros Tahoros. And he says the following. He quotes from the Sefer Chuas Chain. What's the Apostle? Take from the first of all the fruit of the ground. This mitzvah of Bikurim is not only teaching us a law that's applicable and relevant to the farmer, but really it's a lesson for life for all of us, and that is one has to put in extra effort, extra mindfulness, extra intention when it comes to the rashis, the beginning, the start. If when you start something, a new organization, a new effort, a new shear, a new project, a new goal, a new zman, a new year, a new grade of school, whatever is the beginning, the first, if you do it with intention of Kedusha and Tahara, you have a mindfulness and an intention, a presence for it to be sacred and holy, for it to do it in the right way, you're not simply beginning mindlessly. Not just getting started, because that's what it says on the calendar. You're not just opening day and you didn't even pay attention. But you start out 
With Kedusha and Tahara, then everything follows the beginning. Everything that follows will be worthy, will merit. Siyata deshmaya from Hashem. Because of Asher Alkein and Ma'adam Zarshiyu, you may Rosh Hashanah at Slobi Kedusha. That's why Rosh Hashanah is so meaningful, so significant, because everything follows the beginning. The Baba Cherebbe Zatzal used to say, it's called Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Because everything follows the head. The head dictates to the rest of the body what to do. It's the brain, it's the head that determines, that dictates to the body how to follow. And everything about our year follows the beginning, follows the head of the year. It's the head. That's why Rosh Chodesh is so significant. We start off the month on the right foot. We make Havdalah and we start off the week on the right foot. And Rosh Hashanah, we start off the year on the right foot. Every day, Shacharis grounds us. It gives us a sense of, sense of intention, of purpose, of what is my day. Everything starts from the beginning. So how does a Jew wake up in the morning? What word? Grammatically, it'd be more proper to say, Ani modeh. I am grateful, but you can't start your day. The first word out of your mouth, the first thought can't be I, ani. Even though grammatically it's more correct, ani modeh. Instead, what do we do? We invert it and we start our day with modeh ani. What's the first word? What's the first thought? What's the first intention? How do we begin my day? Attitude of gratitude. Modeh, grateful am I. Racious Kopri, everything follows the racious. Everything follows the beginning. And then the body follows the head. What comes after follows how you began. Everything starts from the top. And that's why Musaf on Rosh Chodesh we say, In each month you give us the Rosh, you gave us the Rosh. How do we make it a worthy time, a virtuous time, a meritorious time? How do we make it a time in which we achieve and accomplish our goals, our mission, our purpose? How is it a zman Because you gave us new beginning, fresh start. You gave us the concept of rosh. You gave us the head. You gave us the beginning. You gave us the start. And if we can realize it and fulfill it, make the most of it, if we can be present for it, then everything that follows. And that's why the Torah tells us, not only with the mitzvah of Bikurim, not only for the farmer, but for every one of us. If you want to extract, what is the, it says racious, what is the Pasuk? It should say, you take from the racious, the beginning of Priha What's the word kol? of all the fruit of the land. It should say Rashis, the beginning of Priyadama, the fruit of the land. What does the word kol add? Why is the word kol there? So says the Rebbe, what does the word kol add? Es kol Priyadama, es kol hatoldos hama'ura sha'achakach lahamshich gam aleim kedusha. If you start, if you start, if you begin, v'lakachta me Rashis, lakachta, take for yourself the Rashis. Be present at the beginning. Get off to a good start. Have the right intent when you begin. And then, all the peros, everything that follows, everything that emerges, everything that comes from it, will follow in suit. And what a message, not only for the farmer and for Bikur and for every one of us, 
So many children down here in Florida, we already started school. I know up north, not yet till after Labor Day. Some schools, yeshiva started. Rav Bender gave the kiss to every child already today on the opening day. Everything, if you start and your Rosh Hashiva gives you a kiss on your kepi the first day of school, you're going to feel love and affection throughout that year. If the parents send off with a bracha and with love, if you drop off the first carpool and you welcome them the first day after school and you get the first homework started with love, with affection, with patience, with support, if in yeshiva, if in seminary, if getting ready, Elul, Rosh Hashanah, everything follows the beginning. So you can't just say, ah, what's the difference? Beginning, middle, end, I'll catch up, I'll do later. Everything follows the beginning. Everything follows the reishis. So take advantage. Take advantage of the reishis because you know what follows? Only kol pri ha'adamah. All the Paris that will come out of it follow the way that we begin and follow that snart. And that's the Pasuk in Kohelas Chacham, Einav Barosho. A wise person, Einav Barosho. Simple understanding of the Pasuk, Chacham, Einav Barosho, Kohelas Beis, Yudalit is, a Chacham, a wise person, looks to the future. Spoiler alert, our Shabbat Shuvah Drosha this year is, so far I have the title. The title is Your Future Self. How do we live in the present with a relationship already with our future self? This is the whole mission our rabbis say, Chacham, ain't of Baroshon. Don't just live in the here and now. Don't just be in the present. Don't indulge your appetite because of what you crave right now. Chacham, you want to be a Chacham? You want to be wise? Ain't of Barosho. Your eyes should be in your head. See to the future. Identify the future. Have a relationship with your future self. But says the Rachmashrifka Rebbe, says the Amaros Tahora Zatzal, you know what it means? Chacham, ain't of. You want to be a Chacham, then you know what your eye is on? Barosho, the Rosh, the beginning. Look at all the beginnings. Take advantage of all the... A chasidish Seth, a chasidish Chacham enav. A chacham enav. Where are you looking? Barosho. Look at all the Rosh, the new year, the new school, the new zman, the new week, the new month, the new... There's all these new opportunities. The new day. Moda'an, it's a new day. It's a new day. Our Amunashir, we produced little notebooks. You can get one next week at the mitzvah market. We'll have them available for sale. It says, turn the page. It's uh, living with Amuna. It says, uh, what is it even saying? Turn the page? New page? I forgot what it says. It's the idea that when you live with Amuna, you realize every day is a new day. Moda'ani. Turn the page. Turn the page. Baruch Hashem, what a bracha that we have. The Kaddish is Reishis Hayom, Reishis HaShavua, Reishis HaChodesh, Reishis HaShana. Our lives are filled with new beginnings and new opportunity and everything will follow if only we can invest and be present fully in that new. So, V'lakachta Mereishis. Take advantage of the Reishis and then you'll get, you'll be able to enjoy Kol Pri Adama. Chacham, how are you? Chacham, Einav, keep an eye on Barosho. Look at the Rosh of everything. Look at the Rosh of everything and everything will follow. So one of the things the farmer says in the Mikra Bikurim, Perachafei Pasuk Hei is, Vanisa Amarta, what do you say? Arami Avi. again we're familiar. Ve'isham Legoi Gadol Atzum Barav, and we became a great nation there. Says, Says Rav Salavechik in the Rav Salavechik Chumash, Vayisham Legoi Gadol. We became a great nation. What does the word Gadol mean? Translate. Great. Big, great, large. Is Gadol quantity or quality? What is the word Gadol? Bonus, Dvar Torah, for Barsha's Kisavo, and getting you ready for Pesach, for the Haggadah. It's never too early, right? Wrong. So, Vaisham Legai Gadol, what does it mean? Says Rav Salavechik. We Jews became a people in Egypt. The Zohar emphasizes Sham. You didn't see that coming, Rav Salavechik quoting the Zohar. The Zohar emphasizes Sham. Only there in Egypt could the Jews become a great people. Had they not been born in Egypt, they would not have been transformed into a Gai Gadol. The Jewish people became great in crisis. 
Sometimes it's hard to achieve greatness when your life is delivered to you in comfort and convenience and simplicity and prosperity. You know where we realize our potential? Do you know how we grow to become who we're meant to be? Often when overcoming adversity, when we have to express tenacity and resilience, when we have to dig deep and we have to discover the power and the strength that we didn't even necessarily know that we had. So the Ramban says the purpose of an Isayon, Avram, Avram was tested no less than 10 times. The word nace means a test. It also means a flag. In Shemona Esrei, we're not up to yet in Siddur snippets. When a Kurdish Baruch, we ask him to gather us from the four corners and wave. Nace doesn't mean they're a test. It means a flag. Because where we're tested, we can plant a flag. That's where a growth spurt occurs. That's where we discover who we're meant to be. A nace, through that test. The Ramban uses the language, menakoach, that's where we go from potential into reality. The Jewish people become great in crisis. Knesset Yisrael had to spend many years in slavery in order to attain nationhood and greatness. It had to see and experience evil, tyranny, ruthlessness, for one cannot hate Satan unless one knows him well and has dealt with him. To hear stories about Satan is not enough. Direct experience and involvement are indispensable. Yosef was sold to Potiphar, the chief executioner, in order to acquaint him with human cruelty. Had Yaakov remained in Canaan, his children and future generations would not have developed extra sensitivity vis-a-vis -vis fairness and honesty. We would not have hated cruelty and ruthlessness with passion and zeal. Had we not been in Egypt, had we not felt the pain caused by the whip, we would not have understood the divine law of not oppressing the stranger or the law of loving one's neighbor. Had we not spent years in horror, we could not have grown and developed into a great nation. In pain and despair, we have gained greatness and nationhood. As the Pasuk and Shirin Shirab says, as a rose among the thorns, so is my beloved among the daughters. Jews became there a nation. Vayisham legoi gadol atzum Because they were distinct. We stood at a separate entity in Egypt. The Gon point out the term goy is derived from gvia, a physiognomy, a countenance, a form. Goy is rooted in the idea of individuality, the exclusiveness of the face. When one stands out in a crowd, when a people is different, it is appropriate to speak of a Goy and individuality, be it a single person or a group of people. The Haggadah says, and there they became great. What, is the Haggadah, what does the Haggadah learn? What happened there? We were Mitsuyanim. We were distinguished there. Like Mitsuyan, I didn't get a lot when I was a kid. Rabbi Grossman, you got Mitsuyan on your test? You probably did. Mitsuyan, excellent. Excellent. The Israelites stood out as a distinct group and this distinctness made them a goy, a nation. In light of the above, we can understand the saying, because of four things, because of bischus, daladvarim, and the merit of four things, the Jewish people merited to be redeemed from Mitzrayim. We didn't change our names, language, we didn't moser, we didn't inform on anyone, and there was no one among them who was licentious. It was a medrash vayikar rabba, shir shirim rabba. They were distinct, an individualistic community. So the Rav understands, what does it mean by Isham Legoy? Gadol, Gadol does not mean great in number. We've never been great in number. In fact, four-fifths of us stayed behind in Mitzrayim. We did not emerge great in number. We are not great in number today. Throughout history, the Nevuah, the prophecy that we would always remain few has come true. We were not great in number quantitatively, but we're great qualitatively. And I don't need to review with you the disproportionate contributions Jews have made. Nobel Prize winners, science, technology, medicine in the world. Gadol, our greatness does not come from our number or quantity, it comes from quality. And what led to or brought about that quality? Overcoming adversity. So while we look back and wish much of it didn't happen, 
and certainly we don't long for or want it to happen again, it's in reflecting on the adversity, on the Mitzrayim, the Kura Barzel. It was in that furnace of Mitzrayim. What happens when you stick a metal, an element, into the fiery furnace, the glass, it's what hardens it. It's what shapes it. It's what molds it. It's what allows it to take shape and to serve its ultimate purpose. And that's where we took shape and we serve our ultimate purpose. That is the meaning of the Goy Gadol that the farmer references in the Mikra Bikurim and that, of course, we invoke at the Seder, at the Seder table. One of the things the farmer says, the next Pasuk Vav, what did we do after we suffered down there in Egypt? We suffered terribly. So what did we do as a result? We cried out. We called out to God, the God of our forefathers. We didn't really know him personally. We had a tradition that our forefathers had a God. And so we cried out to him and we begged him for relief. And he heard our cries and he saw our suffering. He saw the lachatzenu, the incredible pressure we were under. Says the Orachayim HaKadosh, Thank you to my friend Rabbi Mirzo for sharing this Orachayim with me. This Pasuk teacher says the Orachayim HaKadosh, it's an illusion that a person has to cry out to Hashem every day that He spare us from the corrupting influence, the contaminating, contaminating impact of the Yitzhahara. That's what it means, Vanitzak El Hashem, Vayishma Hashem has koleinu. He created the Yitzhahara. He put us in that circumstance of testing us, of challenging us, that we'll need to dig deep and find strength and resilience to overcome. He created it but he's also the solution and the answer to it. And when we tell him and we cry out to him, help unburden us, help give us relief, help give us the tools to navigate this pressure and this oppression and this temptation. But if Soloveitchik has a different interpretation, back to the, the Rav. The animal is exposed to pain, so is the slave. When the slave meets with pain, he reacts like an animal, uttering a sharp, shrill sound. But the howl of the beast, like the shriek of the slave, lasts but a moment in the darkness and the hush of the night. In a split second, all is silent again. The slave is hopeless and helpless and screams because instinctively when a person hurts themselves or experiences pain, they scream, but the slave feels invisible and inconsequential and nobody cares and they don't matter and no one will intervene and nobody is to the rescue. So the slave, like the animal, has no consciousness that anyone is going to come and rescue them. There is no aftermath to the pain sensation of the animal of the slave. There follows no complaint, no request, no protest, no question of why and what. The slave does not know suffering lacking as he does the very existential need awareness which generates suffering. Moshe, by defending the helpless Jew, restored sensitivity to the dull slaves. Suddenly they realized that all that pain, anguish, humiliation, and cruelty is evil. This realization brought in its wake not only sharp pain, but a sense of suffering. And with suffering comes protest and cry. And that's what it means. The dead silence of non-existence was gone. The voice of human existence was now heard. It is in the second stage which the awakening of the need awareness that tefillah makes its entry. This level of prayer is not yet tefillah, but sa'aka, 
a human cry. There's not yet a clear understanding of what one is crying for. Tsaaka is a primordial prayer, the voice restored, the world, the word still lacking. Even before we have a vocabulary, even before we can articulate, the baby who's hungry or needs a diaper changed, the baby and the newborn in the middle of the night just cries out, doesn't have the consciousness and the maturity or the cognitive development, doesn't have the vocabulary, can't articulate what it needs, but just knows there's pain, there's suffering, there's struggle and cries. And that's what the Jewish people were given. Only when we came to believe we were worthy or there was a solution or there was one, someone hearing our cries, el Hashem, we cried out to, to Hashem. Then this Mikra Bikurim will end this section. The farmer, the farmer should be happy with all the good. Be happy with all the good that God has given you. What is Vesamachta Becholatov? So the Amara Storos quotes from the Tefer Shlema. Al Apostle Vesamachta Becholatov. Kasalavar ki kol mitzvah yesh la skula miyuchedes lavo al yada lavodas habore. Every mitzvah has an energy to it that that mitzvah is trying to draw us close to Hashem in that way. So for example, what's the goal of tzitzis? So you'll say, what well, tzitzis is just a mitzvah. What do you mean? If you're wearing a four-cornered garment, you've got to put tzitzis on the corners. It's one of the tariyag, it's a mitzvah. But the Torah itself tells us the energy or the goal, so to say, of the mitzvah of tzitzis, namely, When you look at those strings, they help keep us grounded. They're an anchor to avoid following the distraction of our heart and our eyes. Tefillin. What's the purpose of the energy of tefillin? When one wears tefillin, the Torah of Hashem should be what fills our mouth. And all mitzvahs, schoolless mitzvahs bikurim. So what is the goal, purpose, the end game of the mitzvah of bikurim? How should one feel transformed? What do they walk away working on? What is the avoda of the mitzvah of bikurim? For the farmer to feel, I'm satisfied with what I have. I'm satisfied with what's been given me. I don't compete. I don't compare. I don't try to match up. I have drive, I have ambition, but ultimately what I harvest, what my harvest yields, this first, first fruit, whatever it is, I'm grateful for. To not live looking at what's missing, but to be satisfied and happy with what I have, with what is. And that's the positive. If you have many fields, you bring the first fruit of each field. If you have one field, you bring the first fruit of that field. So picture it, says the Tefer Shlomo. Two farmers are standing next to each other in the base of Mikdash. Each have arrived with their first fruit. The wealthy landowner has many first fruit or has an enormous first fruit. And the simple landowner who only has one portion has one measly, little, small, struggling, pathetic first fruit. And... They both recite the same Mikra Bikurim, and the Torah tells both of them, Visamachta Becholatov. Each of you can and should be happy with all the good that Hashem has given you. Don't be jealous, don't be envious, don't compete, don't compare. Not only in the physical material world do we have to be happy with what we have, but in the spiritual world too. So the other person dies with more kavana practices more humility, exhibits greater patience, gives more tzedakah, has greater zitzvah to sit and study Torah. 
Don't be jealous, don't be envious, and don't compare, don't compete. Don't try to measure yourself against them. Rather, Serve Hashem according to you with what you have. The principle says the Amaras Taros, says the principle is the notion does not only apply to Gashmias, but applies to Ruchnias as well. Have drive, have ambition, want to be as good and as great as you can, but don't compare yourself to others. In that way, in that way. And the Tefer Shlomo then continues. A person gets a gift from the king. In addition to the fact that you got a gift from the king, not only do you have the gift itself, what'd you walk away with? A check? A Rolex? A meal? A gift certificate? Whatever the gift itself is, what else did you get? You know what else you got? That you can tell everyone you got a gift from the king. That expression of affection, that generosity, the graciousness, the gift from the king is itself a gift. Says the Tefer Shlomo, Be happy with what you have, a lot or a little. You know why? When you realize where does it come from, who granted, who gave it to you? The King of Kings. It's from Hashem. The King handed you something. Ooh, you know where I got this? It's from Hashem. Ah, it's small, it's pathetic. It's from the King. What are you talking about? This is what the King gave me. That's why the Pasuk says, How can you be happy with all the good? Because that good was given to you from the King. It all comes from, it all comes from Him. Quotes as well in the back, the Amar Saros in the next section. Quotes on Orachayim. What is Bechol Atov? The Orachayim HaKadosh here says, what does it mean Vesamachta Bechol Atov? The Torah, the Parsha, Kisavo, in two places, invokes this obligation of Simcha. Right now Vesamachta Bechol Atov, and we'll get to it, the Tochacha. Why will we be visited by the cruel and harsh and graphically violent Tochacha? Why are we accountable? Because we didn't serve Hashem out of Simcha. So you see that there is an obligation. There's no simon and sif in Shulchan Aruch that says you have to be happy and you have to smile. But you know what else? There's not a simon and sif in Shulchan Aruch that says that you have to breathe. But you have to breathe to be alive. And you have to be happy to be alive. Simcha is the source of life. And Hashem says, if you're not happy and you're not living and you're not grateful for what you have, you always have an eye to what you want and what you wish and what you don't have. If your happiness is determined by what's missing, you'll never be happy because there's always more you could have. But if your happiness is determined by what you have, you can always be happy because you always have something. So the Torah says, smile, be happy, be mindful, be present. Happiness is not an emotion, it is a decision. Make the decision to be happy. You didn't make that decision to live a life of happiness. You're held accountable. And be happy. Now, what is the source of that simcha? Says the Orachayim Hakadosh, Ein Tov Ela Torah. Gemara Brachos Dafei Amen Aleph. Ein Tov Ela Torah. Vesamachta b'chol Atov. Shetzrichan Lasos v'lesmach b'zeh sheish l'yicholus l'ma Torah. You know why you should be happy? We are gifted and granted the incredible privilege and opportunity 
to learn Torah. Uh, we're living in a time, I've said this many times recently, you'll excuse me if I say it again. We are living in the most prosperous, convenient, and comfortable time in history, and we are living in the most unhappy, depressed, anxious time in history. Our life is more comfortable, more convenient than ever before. We're living in the most prosperous time ever, and people are more unhappy than they've ever been, and relationships are dissolving and falling apart. Marriages and family and parenting and personal happiness, personal self-esteem and sense of security and mental health. Where's Simcha? However, we've been given this gift called Torah. The rest of the world is trying to figure it out and make sense of this prosperity and technology and AI, how do you integrate it, how do you navigate it, how do you live in this world? And we were given the blueprint. We were given the manual. We were given the instructions. It's called Torah. Open it up and learn it every single day. Visamachta. You know why you should be happy? Because everyone else is trying to make sense of it and figure it out. Here, here's the instruction manual. Here's the blueprint. Here it is. Read it. Go to work. Now, that doesn't mean if you learn Torah, you don't have challenges. People learn Torah also are diagnosed with illness and struggle with loneliness and have infertility and all kinds of other problems. But we're given the strength and the faith and the resilience to learn how to navigate it. Ain tov el Torah. So where does our simcha come from? Visamachta in what? Becholatov. Becholatov. And listen to the words of the Orachayim HaKadosh. Shemayu b'nei Adam argishem b'mesikos v'arevas hatov haTorah. If a yid of a Jew would taste and feel the sweetness and the beauty of Torah, you'd be going crazy running after it. You couldn't get enough of it. You'd give up all of the, all of the wealth in the world for it. Because Torah includes in it all the good, all the pleasure, all the sweetness in the world is in Torah. Now it doesn't say It says And the Degel quotes the Arachayim HaKadosh and says the Arachayim's insight in Tovel Torah. that's what the Pasuk's talking about. That's the source of our Simcha is alluded to. Why does it say Hatov Natov? Hey is how much? Five. The five books of Torah. Chumash. V'samachta b'chol hatov. The hatov is the hey, osios hey, chamishay chumshay Torah. If you realize that it is our blueprint, it's our instruction manual, it is the sweetness of the Torah that we live and learn, then you'll find the simcha that we all yearn for and that we all crave. Okay, moving on from Mikra Bikurim and the farmer. We've got a lot more to cover. Perach Avav, Pasuk Tes Zayin. Turn the page, 1070. Next, we move over. Meiser, vidoy Meiser. The vidoy, the farmer then comes and the farmer says a very unusual confession. We've spoken about this previous years. You can listen to previous years. I'll just set up the question. You've got to go there to find the answer. Farmer stands up and he says a very peculiar confession. I do not recommend you try it at home. When you get home, do not tell your spouse, I have a confession to make. Your spouse is going to say, excuse me, you say, sit down. This is important. Please give me your attention. Put your phone down. I have a really big confession to make. And your spouse is going to turn white. Big confession. Uh-oh. What do you have to say? And what's the confession you have to make? I have a confession. My confession is, I'm perfect. I've done everything right. I've done nothing wrong. I have to confess. I have no choice. I have to confess. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. 
ביארתי הקודש מן הבייס, וגם נסעתי ללב ולגר ליסון באלמנה, לא שכחתי, לא עברתי מצווסך, I didn't violate anything, I didn't forget anything, I took out the garbage, I remembered our anniversary, I pay attention, I know your love language, I gave the bath, I put the kids to bed, I'm sorry, I must confess, I'm perfect. We call that a lot of things. Confession is not one of them. Confession is when you admit something you did wrong. Confession is not a statement of how perfect you are and everything you did right. So why do we call that a confession? Why do we call that a confession? Vidoy Maiser, the Mishnah already calls that Vidoy Maiser, Mishnah and Sota, Chazal and the Medrash. Vidoy Maiser, it's the, it's the confession of Maiser. It's a very important question because the answer gives a new definition to the word vidui, which is very instructive to what we're going to be doing starting very soon. Svaradam have already begun. We're going to join them soon with slichos and all the vidui we're going to say over this time of year. Why is that called vidui when there's no actual admission as part of that confession? That's what the farmer does. Then we move on. That Yisrael and Hashem are inseparable. This relationship that we have, this connection that we have. And that's where we pick up. This day Hashem commands you to perform these decrees and these statutes. Observe and do them, perform them with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Today, on this day, Hashem commands you. And back to the Amaros Tahoros. Back to the Amaros Tahoros. What does it mean on this day? Hayom says the Rach Rishiv Karebbe, Af Achshav, Beyom Azeh, Teram Biyaschem LaEretz Yisrael. Today, this is a very funny mitzvah, because this mitzvah is telling us what. Hinchem Mitzvim LaKaim Kol Mitzvahs Gam Eila Tzluyus BaAretz. We're talking about mitzvahs that depend on the land. What's the problem? We haven't yet entered the land. How can we be bound by? How can we be accountable for mitzvahs? that we don't even have the option of yet performing. It's impossible. We're not yet in the land. How could we be accountable for mitzvahs that we can't yet fulfill? Listen to this pshat. And then what does the Torah say? What does the word v'shamarta mean? Safeguard and do them. How can I safeguard and do them? I'm not yet in the land. Because you don't understand what the word shamarta means. The word shamarta means, milashon v'aviv shamar es hadavar. Who said that? What's that Pasuk referring to? V'aviv shamar es hadavar. Yaakov and Yosef. V'aviv shamar es hadavar. Shamar means to yearn for, to long for, to await, to count down. Says the Amaros Toros, what does it mean? What does it mean? How do you fulfill Ayom Azeh? Hashem commands you. I'm not yet in the land. I can't yet do it. How could I be commanded? The answer is even when you can't yet fulfill a mitzvah, Vishamarta. Do you long? Do you await? Do you look forward? What's the relationship? What's the attitude we have towards Torah and mitzvahs? Pasuk Yud Ches. Hashem told you today to be an Am Segula. What does it mean an Am Segula? It doesn't mean to be a nation of people in red bendels. It doesn't mean to be a nation of people who follow silly superstitions and absurd skulas and dark Ha'amori. 
the path of the Amorites, idolatry. Am Segula means to be a treasured people who observe Torah and mitzvot. Hashem said, be an Am Segula, kasher diber lach, v'lishmor kol mitzvosav. Be an Am Segula. Hashem ha'emircha hayom, lios lo Am Segula, says the Amaras Toros. Klomar, tachlas kobriya sa'olam shenevra ba'asara ma'amarasu, lios lo Yisrael la'am segula mikol ha'amim. This is the purpose, the essence, the goal of creation. Hashem ha'emir chayom. Hashem told you today, each and every day, be my am segula, be my treasured people. Let the rest of the world follow superstition and narishkeit and horoscopes, but you are to have a relationship with me. Torah and mitzvot are our mandate. The rest of the world is trying to figure it out. You have the manual, the blueprint, the instructions, be a model to the world how to relate to time and food and pleasure and relationships, how to relate to prayer and faith and resilience. Lios Lalam Segula, Hashem told us that day, and He tells us it continues to reverberate, Hayom, each and every day, that that is our mission, that is our purpose, to be an Am Segula. Which brings us to the Tochacha. Why do we read the Tochacha? We're in the month of Elo, we're rapidly approaching Rosh Hashanah. Says the Tefer Shlomo, Tam Shekoran Tochacha Besof Hashanah. Why do we read this Tochacha at the end of the year? Aderach Uneshal Maparam Svaseinu. Pasuk and Hashem teaches us, even when you can't bring Karbanos, when we read them, when we say them, it's as if we offered them. So similarly with the Tochacha. Nigzar al Adam Echad Menaklalos Ha'ela Hineyatsa Yidei Chavaso Bekriyasa. Because if we really are deserving to suffer one of these tochacha, let us fulfill receiving it and suffering it by reading it. Just reading it. Let us not have to experience it. Nimsa she'etzem kriyas ha-tochacha afi bracha. If by reading it, we can fulfill, it's as if we experienced it, we can get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. The tochacha that appears in our parasha. So in that, we have blessings and curses, and then we have the tochacha itself. And one of the orrors, Perach of Zion, Pasuk, Tes, Vav. Turn the page to page 1074. The list of the orrors, the things were cursed. Cursed is the person, the man, who makes a graven or molten image, an abomination to Hashem, a person's handiwork, and in place it in secret. And the entire people hear this and they answer, Amen. They answer, Amen. So let's start with Rav Soloveitchik. Soloveitchik points out, Auror, look at the list of Auror. You have it there on page 1074. See the list? Auror. There's two unusual things about the use of the word Auror here. This Auror versus the other ones. Anyone see what they are? Anyone know what they are? Auror, let's go look. How does this one begin? Why do we invoke? This is the only one that says, Cursed is the person who does this. All the other ones we say, Cursed this behavior. This is cursed the person who performs the behavior. 
Why is this one unusual that says, cursed the person? You got to pay attention to the text when you read the Torah. Every vowel, every letter, every word, every trup, every crown is teaching us something. So you got to pick up on these subtleties. Or ha'ish. Ha'ish only appears in this or not the rest. So before we get to the Rav, the Amaras Tahoros, the Rachmash Sivka Rebbe, I think the last one for today. I think. Yesh Lavin. So why say Ur? Ish. Ef Shalomar ki Ish Ulashan Chashivas. Ish depicts, connotes significance, prominence. Visab Gemara, the Gemara Sotad Avdal says, Klomis Yar Kilo Ovid Avodazara. Lizah Amarakasav Ur Ha'ish Arsriyasa Pesalumasecha. Cursed is the person who worships an idol. How do you worship an idol? Not only by finding a stone, not only by bowing down to the sun and the moon, not only bowing down to a little, little idol, what is included in idolatry? Oror ha'ish. Ish, I'm the man. The word ish connotes arrogance. When a person has an inflated ego, when a person swells with arrogance, when a person feels they're the man, when a person behaves, ish, I'm the man, or ha'ish. This, that's why this is the only one that invokes ish, because what is the yasa pesulam masecha doesn't just mean literally worships an idol, idolatry. It means arrogance is a form of idolatry. Person who tries to compete with Hashem, person who practices or carries themselves with arrogance, Dome Kemosha Osa Pesla such an individual is as if they are worshiping an idol. But there's a second difference and distinction between this Auror and the others. The first was the use of Haish. The second is the Pasuk says, You make an idol and where do you worship it? Visam Basaser. And you place it where? In private. If you worship an idol in public, that's okay. Torah only curses the person who worships the idol in private. If you do it in public, that's good. You're good to go. The other errors, the other behaviors for which we receive a curse are also prohibited both in public and private. So why is this one alone described as in private? So if Soloveitchik, why the Torah single out the specific sin is the one that were mentioned that Har Grizam and Har Eval. The Ibn Ezra writes the common thread between these curses is they involve sins that one does in private. To underscore this characteristic, the Torah repeatedly uses the word basaser in this section. Thus, the Torah stresses the unacceptability of the Geneva's das, of hypocrisy in regard to the law, to pretend to behave according to the law in public, but to violate it in private. You know it's abominable to Hashem? You know it's repulsive to Hashem? Duplicity, hypocrisy. You shuckle and you present yourself religious and you practice yourself like you're righteous and you hold yourself out like you're religiously superior and in private, you're corrupt, in private, you're hollow, in private, you're egotistical. Yeshayahu admonishes, Hamiskadshim v'hametarim laganas acharachas batavech ochle b'sarachazer v'hashekets v'achbar. Those who in public places disguise themselves as pious and moral, but in private, eat swine and other detestable things. They're subjected to the curse, Yachtav yasufun um Hashem. They shall be consumed together. The Rambam in Mora Nevuchim cites this Pasuk in Yishai as the source prohibiting hypocrisy. An additional prohibition extends beyond the sins that are being committed. In addition to what you did wrong, not only are we accountable for the mistake, but if we're doing it in a way that's hypocritical, if we're duplicitous, if we try to present ourselves to others as if we're righteous, but we think that when no one's looking privately, that's when we cut corners, 
that's when we're dishonest intellectually, that's where we look at or say or do the wrong thing, that's where in business we're unethical, when we think no one sees and no one notices, that hypocrisy, psst, that is an abomination to Hashem. He is especially exceedingly repulsed by such hypocrisy and duplicity, and that's why the Torah here in this section of Ur repeats no, over and over, basaser in private. Perach of Zayim, Pasuk, Chaf, Vav. One of the list of Ur is, Ar asher Torah Cursed is the person who does not uplift the Torah. Last also some to perform them, Ba'amar kola amen, and everybody answers, amen. What does that mean? Ur. Cursed is the person who does not uplift, up, uplift the Torah. So the Gemara, the Chazal, Mesech Sofrim, Perak Yudalit, understand. Miyad, Golo Sefer Torah, Shlosh Adapim, Magbiu Marem, Pneik Sivasu, Lama Umdem Limino, Smolo, Machziru Lefanov Lacharav, the person who does Hagba. This Pasuk is talking about the one who does Hagba, who lifts the Torah. You know, People like the speaking parts. Everyone wants to get an aliyah. An aliyah, an aliyah. One of the top complaints a rabbi gets in a shul. Rabbi, do you know how long it's been since I got an aliyah? Aye, I only come to shul during Vahib and saw Aaron. Aye, I hide in the back and I face the other direction and I wait for somebody to beg me to get an aliyah. But do you know how long it's been since I got an aliyah? I think I referenced it recently. My mashkiach in Karen Biyadna, Rivlin used to point out, no one ever complains they didn't get an aliyah on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Friday. You know why? Because no one else got an aliyah either. You're not so upset you didn't get an aliyah because you get to say birchas ha-Torah every morning, a birchas ha-Shachar. With nobody watching, you could say birchas ha-Torah then too. Why are people upset they didn't get an aliyah? Not because I didn't get an aliyah, but because Yenem got it. And they know exactly, by the way. He also got one on November 12th and on October 13th. He knows exactly. I know exactly when they got every aliyah. I know the last time I got an aliyah. I can't believe I never got an aliyah. I don't get an aliyah. The aliyah has the speaking part. It's got the mishaberach. Still in some shuls they do that. It's got the yamod. It's got all the speaking parts. But Chazal said, that's not, you want to get a keyboard? You know what the biggest covet is? Not an aliyah. Hagba and Galila. The Golo Keneged Kulam. That's actually opposite. All the aliyahs don't combine to the big schus for Hagba and Galila, because that's this Pasuk. You hold open three columns, you turn so the people on the right can see, then the people on the left can see, and then the people in front of you, the people behind. Nobody knows how to do Hagba correctly. There's an obscure article. You could find it online. There was a journal my great uncle, Macy Noman Olava Sholem, was the editor of, the Journal of Jewish Music and Liturgy not well known to his great chagrin. The, the Journal of Jewish Music and Liturgy, I think they have all the copies on yutorah.org, they have all the volumes. The Journal of Jewish Music and Liturgy, he was the founding head of the Bell School of Jewish Music at YU, prominent chazan from a family of chazanim that clearly skipped me and my generation, my great uncle. But anyway, there was an article by Mori Varabi of Shechter. Um, I think the title of the article was something like Obscure Halachas of Kriyas HaTorah. And in there he describes the proper way to do Hagba, which is really this Meseches Sofrim. No one gets it right. First you turn so the people on your right can see, then the people on the left, then you all the way around, and then you sit down, three columns open on the seam. That is the mitzvah, so that of Lomar, they can all call out, those are the two psukim that are combined when the Hagba is being done according to the Meseches Sofrim. And the Ramban says that's what this Pasuk is talking about. Hagba being done correctly. 
When do you do Hagba? It's a machlokas between the Machaber and the Ramah, Ashkenazim and Sfardim. Sfardim do Hagba before Kriyas the Torah. They lift the Torah, they turn around, they show the place it's going to be read from, then you set it down, and now you're ready to begin Kriyas the Torah. Ashkenazim, we only do it at the end. We do it at the, the end. There's a minik, some Sfat, some Hasidim, to also do it at the beginning. Where does that come from? And how do you do it? Right, Chabad lifts it, turns around, then you put it back on the bima and roll it and do it versus sitting down with it. All of these different machlokas. Pointing your finger doesn't have a major source. Somebody brought to me some sources, but the Shulchan Aruch, when it records, says you bow. During Vizos Torah, you bow and you look for the, your lame, your name, whatever your name is, you should find that letter in the Sefer Torah that's brought down by the Mishnah Berurah of the Ben Yishchai and by, and by others. So that's the interpretation of Ara Asher Yakim is the Torah Zos. The Rabban is the second interpretation. It means Asher Yakim. Who is the person who could lift the Torah? You. Each and every one of us. How? When you're online at Costco and the person bagels you and they say, Oy vey, when is Rosh Hashanah this year? Isn't it Rosh Hashanah, isn't it Rosh Hashanah soon? because they want you to know they're Jewish and they're waiting for you to say, I got to introduce you to Rabbi Brody. Do you have a place yet for the high holidays? We have a beginner service. Would you like to come for a meal? And if you just ignore their oive or their mentioning, they know it's almost Rosh Hashanah and you ignore it, you are subject to this curse. You had the opportunity, says the Ramban, to uplift and to promote and to support and to spread Torah, and you ignored it? And you ignored it? And you bowed your head and you pretend not to notice? You are subject to this curse, to this You're going to pay. You're going to pay. Otsa plus Torah on this. We don't have time because I want to get in one or two more ideas. But he asks, how is the Torah meant to sit in the Aron? We know every Aron Kodesh universally. How do the Torah sit? They don't sit. They're upright. Why can't you stack the Torah? Why can't you lie the Torah down? So he has a whole discussion. How do we know? How is the Torah meant to be placed? How do we know? Very interesting. You could see it inside. Perach Avchaz Pasuk Beis. And then we move over. If you will hear, if you will listen, if you follow all of Hashem's Torah, Hashem will hand you over. And all these blessings will be visited upon you. And overtake you. Because you hear and you heed and you pay attention to Hashem. Says Rav Druk in his Eish Tamid. You'll notice. We have the word v'hisigucha, both when it comes to the brachos, the blessings overtake you, and we also have this word when it comes to the klalos, they will overtake you. But there's a difference how the word v'hisigucha is spelled. What is the difference? When it comes to the bracha, v'hisigucha is spelled without a vav. When it comes to the klalos, the curse, v'hisigucha is spelled with a vav. Why the difference? Rav Druk quotes his Rebbe, Rav Chaim Kanievsky Zatzal, who answers based on the following. In Birchas Kohanim, Parshas Naso, Kosovarchu is B'nai Yisrael, Amor Lahem. How is the word Emor, Emor Lahem spelled? Aleph Mem, Vav Resh. It's Malay. It includes the Vav. Emor Kenan often is spelled without the Vav. Why does it include the Vav over there? Rashi says, Emor Malay. Losivarchem Bechipazonu Behilus, Elebekavanu Uvalev Shalem. We don't spell it Chaser, we spell it Malay. You know why? When you're giving the bracha, slow, savor it, take your time. 
You know, Friday night, you give your children brachas. You're starving. Kiddush. You want to make a motzi. You run. You fly through. No. You're giving these brachas. Yivarech Hashem. Take your time. Each child, a special bracha. Think of their needs. Tell them how proud you were of them the week before. Male and more with a vav. We stretch it out. Go slowly. We add the letter vav. Take your time. Savor it. So what do you see from here, said Reb Chaim? That when something is written with the vav, it means mesinus, slow. And absent the vav, it means quick, hurry, go. That's why when it comes to the bracha v'hisi gucha no vav, why? We want the brachas to overtake you quickly, speedily. When it comes to the klalos, let it take time, delay, push it off. Let it take some time until it, until it happens. Rav Druk himself gives a, another explanation. He says the following. With the brachas, it says, It can't be that the brachas are our reward in this world because we know there is no reward in this world. There's no commensurate, no appropriate reward in this world because mitzvahs are eternal. They are immortal. So there's no reward that could properly match them. The only reward Hashem can give us is the opportunity to do more mitzvos. Schar mitzvah, mitzvah. The reward for a mitzvah is I have more energy and more time and more focus and more good health and more resources to go do more mitzvos, to go fulfill my mission more in the world. Memela, now we understand. So therefore, when you will hear, then the brachos will come. So when it comes to brachos, Hashem gives us brachos. Why? So that we can do mitzvos. With the vav. You know why? Hashem is empowering us. He's positioning us. This is also one of the ways, by the way. Say, Hashem, what right do we have and in what position are we to demand good health and wealth and skills and talents? The answer is, if you want all of that for yourself, to advance your own personal needs and pleasure, then Taka, who are you to ask for it? We're not deserving. But if we say, Hashem, I can't be your agent and your ambassador. I can't fulfill my shlichus, my mission for you, if I don't have the resources I need, if I don't have the health and the energy and the strength I need. So that's why it's Lashon Asid when it comes to the brachos. Hashem, give us the brachos, and with the brachos, we're in a position then to go run and to fulfill, as opposed to the claws, which only come as a reaction if we do the wrong thing. They come after the, they come after the fact. Rezidel Epstein, the great Rezidel Epstein, the Mashkiach and Torah Or, also has an insight. What is this word, Why do I need the brachos to overtake me? If they're brachos, I should be happy, even without them overtaking me. What does it mean the brachos should overtake me? Simple understanding, by the way. Simple understanding. He says here, the Sforna the Ibn Ezra say, even without having to go and to capture these brachas, they should just overtake me. I shouldn't have to go in the Peloton to be in good shape. I shouldn't have to go work hard to have a lot of money. They should overtake me even without the effort. That's what the Sforna and the Ibn Ezra seem to suggest, he quotes. However, he says, 
Sometimes, Sometimes a person goes through something and a person struggles to feel this is for my best. We go through a hard time. There's a door that closes in our life. We go through a hard time. There's a door that closes and we think, Hashem doesn't love me. Why do I have to suffer? Why go through this difficulty? The girl said no. We didn't even go out on a date or the shidduch fell apart. I, I applied for the job. I made it through three layers of interviews. Ultimately, I didn't get it. And it feels like this is a klala. It's a curse. Hisigucha is, even when it didn't feel like a bracha, let the brachas overtake me. Let me see everything in my life that I was meant to wait an hour and 40 minutes on the line at budget rental car two days ago, that that was somehow a bracha. It felt like a whole world of klala, I can tell you. But everything we go through, Baruch Hashem, that was a minor, minor, inconsequential, insignificant, nothing, gurnished of a klala, felt like a klala. But whatever we go through in life, let the bracha of it, v'hisigucha. It's a gewaltig apshat, no? Whatever we go through in life, even when it feels difficult or painful, let us acquire, let us see, let us have clarity, let it overtake us, how there was a bracha in that, in the delay, in the canceled flight, in the long line, in the door that closed in Shiduchim or for a job. Let it overtake us, even the bracha that is inside, that is inside that difficult and challenging moment. Last shot I'll tell you in it, is from, I think it's from Rav Saratskin, who says, you know what V'hisigucha means? How many brachas do we have in our life that we don't even notice? You woke up this morning, your feet are working, your ears, your eyes, your faculties, roof over your head and you have a car, you're able to eat and you're able to digest and you're able to eliminate. V'hisigucha, wake up. Let it overtake us. Let us be aware and cognizant. Let us list and be mindful of the brachas that we have. There are so many brachas that we have. Visigucha, have a hasaga. The rivet is masig and the rambam. Let us take note. Let us register. Let us offer a has- let us have a hasaga. Let us have an insight into the many brachas that we already have. We see the brachas that we want. How about stop for a moment and savor the brachas that we have? How about be grateful for what's already there? So we didn't get to the tochacha yakacha Hashem. We didn't get, I promise you, we're accountable that we didn't serve Hashem so much we didn't get to. So basically this year will be no different than last year and every year. But anyway, thank you all for coming. Thank you for the time. Next week we're back at our regular schedule time, 9.30 on Tuesday morning in Mirz Hashem. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy. Have a great day.